This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. In the world of social media advertising, the biggest win for firms is when consumers are delighted by the content they see and want to engage with it, and eventually to buy something. I'm Rachel Kipp, Associate Editorial Director of Knowledge at Wharton. We're here today with Wharton Operations, Information, and Decisions Professor Karthik Hosanagar to discuss a paper he co-authored. The research takes a closer look at brand posts on Facebook to determine what type and mix of content advertisers should aim for if they want to get results. Karthik, thanks for being with us today. My pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, this paper looks at the increasing importance of something called content engineering. Can you explain what that is and talk a little bit about how businesses have started to use this? Yeah, content engineering or or content marketing is essentially about designing the right kinds of content that might engage consumers. And it's become increasingly important on the web today because firms are producing so much content, be it on Twitter, on Facebook, on Pinterest, and so many other social media platforms. Firms have a presence on all of these platforms and are constantly generating content. And some of that content sticks and some does not. And the question is, can we figure out what sticks and and generate content that customers want to engage with? So talking a little bit more about what companies are looking for, you point out in the paper that it used to be a lot about reach and now companies have companies have moved more towards engagement right um, during the early days of social media marketing uh, for example facebook marketing a lot of firms were focused on acquiring followers or fans on these uh, networks so for example acquiring a lot more facebook fans and they spent a lot on advertising to get these facebook fans but over time they realized that a lot of these Uh, so-called followers or fans weren't actually engaging much with the content. Now, the value of Facebook for most of these brands is ultimately that they can use these followers to instantaneously spread information about new products, about uh, new promotions. And also when their brand-loyal customers engage with content by liking, sharing, or commenting on it, the friends of these brand loyal followers also learn about the brand. And so there's the opportunity for viral spread of the message. But that wasn't happening as much because while a company might have had millions of followers, only 1% of these Facebook fans were actually engaging with the brand. So now, more recently, the attention of firms has moved from merely acquiring followers on social media platforms to actually getting these uh fans to engage with them, because ultimately that's where the value lies. And now the focus of this paper is to try to get at that question of what content works best. And before we get into what you found, I was really surprised to learn from the paper that this is a pretty understudied area. Why would you say that is, and what do you try to do differently in the study to kind of get at that problem? Yeah, I mean, given advertising and marketing has been around for a while and and there's so much emphasis on advertising communication, you would think that there's going to be a lot of work done that's that's getting to the heart of how should we design content. And 
we were surprised to find that there hasn't been a lot of uh, systematic study of the subject. And our conclusion is that's largely because it's a tough problem. Because if you look at what content is working, if you look at traditional advertising, a, a brand comes up with ads, a marketing person figures out what words to use in those ads, what imagery to use in those ads. And that person makes a creative decision that we're going to talk about the following product features, but not these other aspects of our brand. Um, and those creative decisions may well be intuitive, but at the end of the day, it's very hard to test systematically and at scale and to really assess whether this makes sense because we're talking about doing this at scale and with uh, also not structured data, but unstructured data like text. Now, that's changed with the web because you've got so many firms creating lots of social media messages, and now you have the opportunity of analyzing this at scale by looking at hundreds of thousands and perhaps even millions of messages posted by various brands and looking at which ones people engage with. And so we're able to do that only in recent years because you have that kind of data at scale. But even then, it's a hard problem because you have to still process all that uh, content and figure out you know, what is actually there in a message. Is this a message about the brand's product? Is it about the price? Is it about deals? Is it comparing this product to its competitors? Is it emotional? Is it humorous? Is it talking about a brand's philanthropic initiatives? So all of this requires a lot of natural language processing and at scale. And we're only now in the last few years starting to have both the data and the technology to do that. So tell us a little bit. You actually found a really interesting data set to work with to get at this problem. Tell us a little bit about that. So we were fortunate to partner with a large social media analytics company. This company powers the analytics for a lot of large brands on Facebook. And they shared with us a data set that spans a period of about six months, and that is every Facebook post posted by 1,000-plus companies on Facebook. And these uh, Facebook pages belong to, as I said, some of the largest corporations. So we're talking about, uh, again, millions of followers associated with each of these brands. So for each of these posts, we knew daily engagement information, meaning how many likes, how many comments, how many shares, and how many clicks on these posts happen on a daily basis over that six-month period. And effectively, we had in our data set nearly 800 different U.S. brands and about 106,000 messages or posts that these firms shared on Facebook. And for each of these 106,000 messages or posts, we had daily information on likes, comments, shares, and clicks. By roughly, we're talking aggregate about 450 million Facebook fans of these different brands. Tell us about some of the key findings for the research. Yeah, so, you know, I actually run an interesting experiment in class when I'm talking about this study where I ask the students, what do you think will happen? And so I tell them I have two kinds of variables content variables that are product informative, things like price, deals, and so on. And then content variables that are about brand personality, things like emotion, humor, something called friend likely, which uh, we use as uh, a variable that represents whether this is casual information sharing, which is along the lines of what a friend might post rather than a more formal thing that a corporation might post. And I usually ask my students, which one do you think matters? And usually my students will tend to pick humor first, so probably about 30-40% of them will pick humor. The second most popular tends to be deals. Uh, a third one is emotion. 
Uh, a lot of them also pick uh, friend likely, which is this is casual information like friends might share. So I see, you know, really information or rather uh, votes split across all of these variables. Now, what we found interestingly across 800 different companies from many different industries was, first of all, at the high level, brand personality content was associated with much higher levels of engagement, specifically likes, comments, and shares, than product informative content. Generally, product informative content had lower levels of likes, comments, and shares unless they were combined with brand personality information. So in other words, if you, if a corporation is... If a brand is sharing information that is about deals or about price, unless you combine with with emotion or with humor, you're not going to see very many likes, comments, and shares. And within these two high-level buckets, if we drill down into the individual variables, it turned out that emotion was the most influential variable. So, for example, we found that Emotion drove over a 20% increase in the number of likes an average message gets, assuming it does not have emotion already. And similarly, for an average or a typical uh, message, if we add emotion into it, the number of comments went up by nearly 20% again. So that's a pretty significant increase in engagement by adding one new variable into your content mix. Now, you also found some interesting findings around deals. Right. So deals are pretty interesting. As far as likes, comments, and shares are concerned, we saw that it is generally associated with a lower level of likes, comments, and shares that relative to an average message that does not already have deal in it. So just adding deal information d- did not really add to these engagement measures. In fact, it took away uh, some of the engagement. But when we looked at the number of clicks messages we're getting, clicks was similar to likes, comments, and shares in terms of brand personality content getting more clicks and product informative content getting fewer clicks. But the one sense in which it was different was deals. Deals did not get likes, comments, and shares, but it got lots of clicks and got lots of purchases as well. So deals was interesting in the sense that it drove paths to purchase, even though it did not drive social engagement through likes, comments, and shares. And we found that puzzling And I think the way we've made sense out of it is that likes, comments, and shares are socially visible engagement. And clicks, on the other hand, is not socially visible. So when we see a brand post humorous content and emotional content or philanthropic content, we like, comment, and share it because that's socially visible and that says something about our own personality. But when we like, comment, or share on a deal, we don't want to appear cheap. But we are happy to click on those and then go pursue the deals and even buy. Now, you also make the point in the paper that, and I think what you just said makes it as well, is that it's not that companies should just do all one or all another, that even though some of these brand information posts didn't get as much engagement, that doesn't mean that companies don't need them or that they can't be beneficial. Absolutely. I think what we advocate is a portfolio approach. So if you say that, hey, we found emotional content works and you start doing one emotional message after the other, at some point, people are going to wonder what's up with this brand. Um, And so I think you have to have a mix. And all we are advocating is in the mix, while you're trying to promote product information, price information, and push as much of the brand as possible, recognize that consumers are often looking at brands on social media to understand brand personality. So don't forget the brand personality side. But overdoing just brand personality without 
you know, the product information can hurt you because at the end of the day, you're as a brand trying to use this to, uh, you know, ultimately push sales or push loyalty and things of that nature. And of course, as I already mentioned, things like deals, even though it's not getting likes, comments and shares, it's driving paths to purchase. People are coming to your website and buying. And so I think uh, ultimately you still need a nice mix of content. Um, and essentially what we're saying is that if you're going to push brand information, try and see if you, I'm sorry, if you're going to push product information and if you're going to push deals and pricing and sales, ultimately figure out if there are clever ways in which you can pair it with brand personality as well. And that actually, I mean, that presents an interesting challenge, I would think, for brands because it's very easy to compose a very dry post on this is my product, this is how much my product costs. But if you're going to do some of this brand personality content, I mean, you have to figure out, first of all, what is your personality as a brand? And then you have to be able to communicate that to the people who are actually writing your posts because they're the ones that have to give that to the public. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I think there's, in fact, a, a, a sort of philosophical take on how marketing has changed. It used to be the case that marketing was completely a creative discipline. And many people have argued how over the last 10, 15 years, it's become a quantitative discipline, how everything is measurable. And you can use data and optimize marketing. And this is an environment where we are interestingly looking at data and analyzing it and crunching the numbers. And ultimately what we are finding is that it's actually a mix of the two because yes, you want to focus on the numbers and that matters. But at the same time, we're saying that, hey, brand personality matters. It's very easy to craft a Facebook message that um, ultimately has just very basic information of product attributes, about product price. It's harder to craft a message that has humor in it, that has emotional appeal in it. And so it means that there's still some art left here. Um, and so at the end of the day, the message really is that you need a mix of the two. Now, can you think of a brand out there off the top of your head that is doing a really good job of this, that's getting it right? Well, there are a few. Um, you know, I have always liked what one of our uh, own Wharton companies, Warby Parker, does on Facebook. Uh, they have created a very loyal base of followers on Facebook. They've engaged with those followers during the early days. They would actually post photos on behalf of their customers to help those customers select the right frame for them. So customers would take photos of themselves in different Warby Parker frames and they would uh, post it on their own Facebook wall, but Warby Parker would uh, also post on Warby Parker's wall and get a feedback from them. Over time, that has changed as the company has grown, but still they use uh, Facebook uh, very effectively even today. Now, the paper also points out that, I mean, when brands are posting on Facebook, one other thing they have to contend with is Facebook's mysterious algorithm about what kind of posts that people are seeing. And now how did you account for that in this research? Yeah, that was really interesting because if we observe that a certain post got a lot of likes, we do not know for sure is that because consumers like that post or because Facebook liked that post and showed it to lots of people. And so part of our study was trying to separate, is it Facebook liking a post and showing it to lots of uh, people or is it the people themselves liking it? And so we had to uh, reverse engineer Facebook's newsfeed algorithm a little bit. So we knew which customers of a brand were eligible to be shown a post and which ones were actually shown a post. So by looking at the difference between 
the pool of people who could be shown a post versus who were shown a post, we could kind of say, here's how Facebook decides who to show a post to. And, and, and we could separate that effect from uh, the effect of the consumer's choice. And one of the interesting findings was that uh, firms can also understand what Facebook does in terms of selecting a post. And this is somewhat analogous to the world of search engine optimization or SEO, where firms are trying to figure out, you know, what is exactly going on behind Google's algorithm? Why is my page showing up uh, for some search queries, but not for others? And they're all trying to figure out, how do I change my pages so that it'll show up at the top of Google search pages? And so there is some sort of nice parallels there. And what we found is that it is possible to similarly reverse engineer, not fully, but to a good extent, how Facebook chooses posts. And then you can craft your post not just to ensure consumers engage with it, but to also ensure that Facebook's algorithms will select your post and show it to lots of people. Now, where does paid posts come into play here? Sponsored posts or ads? Because, I mean, all of the social media platforms, including Facebook, are doing this now and seem to be kind of pushing brands in that direction as well. Right. So our study was focused on the organic part of social, non-paid part of social. So when a Facebook page of a brand has a bunch of followers and the brand pushes a post, what drives the engagement of those posts among its followers, assuming no promotion, uh, pay, no paid promotion on the part of the brand? But I think there's nice, um, I guess, intersection with the paid portion of um, social media marketing as well. So firstly, a lot of brands are finding that they're not getting enough engagement unless they actually pay Facebook to show those uh, posts. So first, we kind of find that, look, if you actually design the content better, you can increase the reach and engagement of your posts even without having to pay for it. Secondly, if you're going to pay for it, the question becomes, which of your Facebook posts are you going to promote as a sponsored post on Facebook? because all these brands typically promote some of their own posts. And again, our algorithms can tell you which content, which posts are likely to get higher levels of engagement. And those might be the ones you might want to push out more. So again, it comes down to emotional content, brand personality content. You're going to do informative, pair it with brand info, brand personality content. And then you could pay for those and, and promote those additionally. So what, what's next for this research? I think one of the innovative things that we did in this study was to take text content at scale. You know, we're talking about 100,000 plus messages and apply machine learning techniques to code this content and say what is in the post itself, which is hard to do for human beings at scale. You know, we can maybe tag 100, 200, 300 posts, but not 106,000. So next we want to take those techniques and apply them to large-scale analysis of content broadly. We could go beyond text. We can start looking at images on Pinterest, on Instagram. And even with text, we can go beyond the 100,000 we looked at at Facebook, and we can look at Twitter, blog posts, and so on, and more broadly look at differences between these different social media platforms. And I think that would be a very fruitful direction. We hope to go there, and it's a matter of getting lucky again with a good data partner. Karthik, thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You can find more Knowledge of Wharton podcasts on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.edu.
www.upenn.edu. Thank you.